Good evening, everyone. Uh, those of you who are visiting us tonight, my name is Jonathan. It's a great privilege for me to be able to, to preach tonight and share tonight the sermon. Uh, but before we go into this, I, I really want to honor um, not just the team that led us tonight, but I was standing here tonight and, and thinking more than a year ago when, when um, the two congregations merged and we became one church. I've been attending some of our evening services and the way that the music and worship has grown in this service has been phenomenal. I've had incredible moments with God in times of worship through music. And I want to honor not just the team that led tonight, Miriam and Sinead, but everyone that's serving in the music ministry. Thank you for the way that you're serving this church. And thank you for giving and worshiping yourself. So can we give everybody that's serving in the music ministry just then? Uh, it's a great for me to be here tonight. Um, a couple of weeks ago, you would remember uh, we had a prayer, and, and I was privileged enough to attend Manila for my studies for Every Nation Seminary. And uh, I want to thank everyone that's been praying for us, everyone that's been helping us. I know some of you have been helping my wife with our kids while I was away, and uh, just thank you from my side as well. It's an incredible privilege for me to be able to be there and to to be part of what God is doing throughout the world. And and the next couple of weeks, I'll share a little bit more of what my experience is of what God is doing through every nation, not just us as a church, but through every nation throughout the world. But tonight, I want to thank all of you that's praying for us, that's supporting us, and I want to affirm to you, God is doing incredible things in the world. And it's easy to live in this moment, in this city, in this country, and to get caught up with circumstances but God is moving God is doing incredible stuff in nations that we don't know of we know of the nation but we don't know what God is doing and people are turning and coming to God and we're part of it you coming to this service being part of our church is part of what God is doing through every nation now remember every nation is not the be and the end all of church we're just another part of the body of Christ but you're part of that and God is doing incredible stuff through our movement. I want to encourage you to continue to pray for our leaders in our movement, to continue to pray for our churches in every nation, continue that, that what God has placed on this church, that we will be faithful to that. Now, some of you might know this, but we have a mission team that's currently serving our every nation, Maputo Church, that's come from this service. Abram um, is leading that mission. It's the first time he's leading a mission but it would be great if we can take a moment just to pray for them. Almost everyone on the team came from this service. So can we take a moment? Can you turn to someone else? And let's pray for our mission team in Maputo, for what God wants to do in and through them. But also let's pray for our church in Maputo. Let's pray for Yoni and Wesley, for them leading them, what God has called them to. So let's quickly turn to each other and let's pray for our mission team in Maputo.
Amen. May you in the next couple of days continue to preach, uh, continue to pray for them and trust with us for what God wants to do in Maputo. Uh, and I want to encourage you, commit to go on a mission. Already now in your heart, decide that I'm going to go on a mission. And we've got a mission going to Uganda, hopefully later this year. Hopefully it will happen. We're serving our church in Uganda, maybe you need to be part of that. We're going to do another missions next year to Maputo. We're going to do more missions to the Utrecht. And we might do missions to other places as well. But you are in a great position to go on a mission. I'm so proud of my mother and father-in-law. They are, I'm not going to share their age, but they went on a mission. This week, they were in Botswana serving a community there in Salachua. And I was so proud of them. Don't miss out on the privilege on going on a mission for God. Uh, part of my time away, I, I, I got to spend, sort of meet some of the leaders in India. And I'm going to brag a little bit now. Just bear with me, okay? And we're chatting and you're sharing church stories. And then they go, listen, a couple of years ago, you guys sent a team that served our church. And it's been one of the best mission teams that has ever served in our church. Anna was part of that team. Anna, I can't remember if there's someone else in this service that was part of that as well, but Philip, who's now leading our church in, in Utrecht, he was part of that team. And I was standing there, I was just so proud <laughs> of Anna and the guys that was part of that team, hearing they've been some of the best teams that have ever served in our church. God has placed a mandate on this church to be involved in nations. God has graced us, and therefore, if you're part of this church, God has graced you to be part of in the nations. Don't miss the opportunity. But this is not the sermon. I need to start to get to the sermon. Okay. So, uh, we're busy with a sermon series called Encounters with God. And throughout this sermon series, we look at different encounters that people had with God. Throughout the Bible, we see how God has encounters with people. And by studying these different encounters, we want to see what does God reveal about His nature? What does God reveal about His character? And what do we see about the human condition? What is God addressing? And how is it applicable to us? Now, hopefully you've been not just enjoying this sermon series, but hopefully you've been experiencing something about God. And tonight we're going to continue. We're going to speak and look at a specific encounter between God and one of the guys that became probably one of the most significant leaders in the history of Israel. But before we do this, I want to ask a question. Have you ever been so captured by something that it's difficult for someone else to get your attention? Have you ever been so caught up in something, you've given so much attention and, and focus to it, that it's difficult to get distracted? It's difficult for people to get your attention. Been in a situation like that? Now the other part. Have you ever tried to get someone else's attention? Not in relationship, you're not trying to get the girl's attention. I mean, you're just trying to get the attention of the other person, but they're caught up in something else. Have you experienced that part before? You have something to share. There's something that you want to do. There's something that they need to know. And they're just preoccupied. Have you ever been so captured 
that no one can distract you and have you ever tried to reach someone that's been just captured by something. Tonight we're going to see how God is trying to get their attention. Not just of a person, but of each one of us. And we're going to do this by looking at Exodus 3. So if you have a Bible with you, you can turn to Exodus 3. If not, you can follow me on the screen as well. We're going to read together second book in the Bible, Exodus 3. I'm going to read from the NIV translation. Exodus 3 verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the, though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face, because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Verse 10. So now, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that, you sh that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And Moses said to God, suppose I go to Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent to me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you ought to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Let's pray. God, I thank you tonight that you are a God that's not hidden from us, that you are a God who reveals himself to us. And Lord, as you revealed yourself to Moses in this encounter, I pray that as we submit to your word and as we turn to your word tonight, that you would come and reveal yourself to us. Pray, Holy Spirit, may you open our eyes, open our ears to see and hear who you are. May you come and bring a revelation to each one of us, Lord. May we never become so familiar with you that we miss 
that what you do want to do in and through our lives. So Lord, tonight we ask by your goodness and your kindness and your faithfulness, would you come and make your word alive and active in us? And would you come and speak to us? We pray this in your wonderful name, Lord Jesus. Amen. What an encounter. I love this story for a couple of reasons. But looking at this encounter between God and Moses, there's certain things that we see about God. And we're going to focus first on God. What do we see about God? It's important to notice that God is the one that initiates this encounter. God is doing something. This tells us about who God is. God is a relational God. In every moment, in every circumstances, God is the one that reveals himself to people. God is the one that initiates relationship with people. We don't go, oh God, we need you more. God first initiated relationship. And our part of just a response to God. He's a relational God. Throughout history, God has been revealing himself to people, initiating relationship with people. He is a relational God. But then we see God appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Now, earlier this year, I read this scripture as part of my personal devotion, and I, and I just love this part. I just had this picture of um, a fire in the bush. Now, I don't know about you, but I love a fire in the bush. I love sitting around a fire in the bush. My family is going on a vacation now soon, and we're going to a farm where there's nothing except a fire in the bush. I can't tell you how excited I am. There's something about sitting under the stars, and it's just absolute silence. You just hear nature and a fire. Have you ever done that? Are you excited about it? I don't know, maybe it's just me, maybe I'm weird, but there's something about sitting there and just looking at the fire. There's something that draws you in. It's beautiful, it's majestic, and it, it's just great. There's something beautiful, majestic, and just draws you in. But in the same sense, I don't know if you've ever seen a wildfire, a fire that's not contained to a campsite, a fire that's just raging through. Have you ever seen that? A couple of years ago, there was this massive wildfires in Naisna, and some of our family that's staying there sent us videos. It was something to behold, seeing our fire. It looks like a fire is running through. It's just consuming everything in front of it. See, as beautiful and majestic as a fire is, so awesome and power is a fire. A consuming fire devours everything in front of it. Whenever the Bible refers to fire, most of the time it's a reference to God's presence. And there's something about a fire that tells us something about God's nature. He is beautiful and majestic, and there's something about him that draws us in. But at the same time, we cannot become familiar with him because he is a dangerous, almighty, all-powerful fire. A consuming fire. And nothing can stand in front of him. 
We have this relational God, an almighty powerful God. Beautiful and majestic, awesome and powerful. But what's interesting, it says that this fire was burning on a, in a bush, but the bush didn't burn up. Now this is every South African's dream. To be able to bry and the coals never end. There's just a, a continual fire that you can bry on. But all of us, if you've bried enough, knows that this is not true. Eventually, that what's burning burns out. A fire needs a fuel to burn. But not this fire. This fire is burning without any fuel. It's not dependent on the bush. It's not burning up the bush. This fire is self-existent. It's really important that we see this. God is not dependent on anything. He's a consuming fire. It's self-existent. God needs nothing. It's important that we remind ourselves because in a society where people are lifting themselves up as gods, we need to remind ourselves that we are dependent. At the very least, very least, me and you are dependent on the air that we breathe, food for life, and water. At the very least, that's what you need to live. God is a self-existent God. He needs nothing to exist. Outside time. Outside the constraints of this world. Self-existent. And then God says to Moses, do not come any closer, Moses. Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. God is warning Moses this is the part of the, the beautiful, majestic fire and the all-consuming, powerful God. He says, God, if you come too close, Moses, you will die. Take off your sandals. I sometimes have a concern in my own life that I forget the holiness of God. That I become too familiar with God. That we as people become too familiar with God and we forget to take off the sandals in the presence of God. Taking off sandals was a, was a form of respect. God is saying to Moses, I'm holy. Now, the ground wasn't holy. The presence of God made the place holy. Not the ground itself. And I know this scripture refers to the mountain of God, but remember, when God, when the scripture was written, it was in reflection of whatever happened. So there's a couple of things that's going to happen on this mountain. So when Moses goes to this mountain, it wasn't known as the mountain of God. It wasn't known as a holy place. But the presence of God made it holy. Now think about this. The presence of God makes it holy. Therefore, if you are born again and you receive the Spirit of God in you, you receive His presence, what does it make your life? Holy. Not because of what you've done, because of who He is and His presence 
That's why uh, Paul says, honor God in your bodies, because your bodies is holy, because of the presence of God. But God warns Moses, Moses, my presence is holy. There's a form of respect. You need to be careful. Now, what does holy mean? It's another word that we've become so familiar with. What does it mean when you say something is holy? be great if you can quickly share with the person next to you. What's your understanding of holiness? Holiness is so difficult to explain. I don't know how, how many of you just said, ah, oh, off the top of my head, let me tell you what's holiness. <laughs> Holy is the word that we use to explain something that cannot be explained. That's where holiness comes from. God is holy, meaning he cannot be explained. There's nothing that he can be compared to. He's completely different. There is nothing like him. Holy. It's difficult for us to fathom what does holiness mean. How do we compare God? We cannot compare God to anything. All that we know is he is completely different. Cannot be contained. At best, we say holiness means that he's absolutely pure. There's no form of evil in his nature. There's no form of ill motive in his nature. He's absolutely pure in goodness, pure in love, pure in motive. He's holy. There's nothing like him. And then the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because they are slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them. I have seen, I have heard, I'm concerned, I have come down. Here we see this holy, all-powerful God, and He's compassionate towards people. This creator, there's no one like him. And he's moved by love for people. Doesn't have to be. He's far greater than any created thing. And yet the creator is moved by compassion for that what he created. He's a compassionate God. He's a relational God. He's a loving God. And eventually Moses asks God, if I were to go, and I would go to the Israelites, because remember the Israelites have now been in Egypt for a couple of years, 
And Egypt had many different gods, so it would be natural that they started intermingling God of their forefathers with the gods of Egypt. And Moses says, when I get there, and they ask me, who's the God that's going to save us? What should I tell them? And then God gives this profound answer, I am who I am. I don't know about you, but I wonder if Moses went, what? I am who I am. I need to lead people out of the most powerful kingdom in, world, in the world. And I need to use the name I am. Why don't we go with mighty conqueror? Awesome in power. I am. The English doesn't do this word justice. What God is saying to Moses in the moment, I am who I will be. Cannot be defined. I am not just the creator. I am what I will be. I will be the provider. I will be the conquering hero. I will be the almighty God. I will be the compassionate father. I will be the savior. I am what I will be. There is nothing like me. When you go to Israel, you need to tell them that I am who I will be, meaning there's no one like me. I am the creator and sustainer of everything that exists and the rightful owner of everything God is undisputable in His being and His nature. He is unchanging. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He is holy and is eternal and is self-existent. I am the God of gods. There's nothing and no one like me. That's what it means when God says, I am who I am. I am what I will be. Powerful statement. We see this holy, awesome, all-powerful God that is moved by compassion and love and at the same time is relational. But then we also know certain things about Moses. If you're familiar about the story of the Bible, you would know that Moses, just in a couple of chapters before this, uh, Moses is born in a time in Egypt where there was a fear that the Israelites would become too many for the Egyptians. So the Pharaoh decided that in order to control Israel, they are going to kill all the Hebrew boys that are born. And Moses is born in this time. And out of desperation, his mother tries to save him and she puts him in a basket in a river. And by God's divine grace, he protects Moses and eventually of everyone in Egypt. Who gets Moses in the river? Pharaoh's daughter. And she rescues him. She saves him. And in a sense, she adopts him into the palace. And Moses was saved in a time where he shouldn't have lived. And he is raised in the palace of one of the most powerful kingdoms in the world, and he becomes a prince of Egypt. What a story. 
supposed to be dead, prince of Egypt. Do you know what it means to be a prince of Egypt? It means you had power. You had significance. There was something behind you. You had certain privileges. Remember, Pharaoh was worshipped as a god. You are a prince. You're close to being a god in Egypt. That's Moses' story. And then one day Moses sees how an Egyptian is beating one of the Hebrews. And Moses decides to take justice into his own hands. And he does what is right in his own eyes. And he kills the Egyptian. But instead of receiving honor and praise from the Hebrews, they question him. Who are you? Pharaoh finds out about this and Moses becomes scared and he flees. He runs to the desert to hide. And in a moment, because of one bad decision, Moses loses everything. All his position, all his power. And this is where God meets him. In the desert. In the desert, Moses, Moses eventually has an encounter with um, Jethro's family. Eventually marries one of his daughters. And the story starts with Moses being a shepherd of someone else's sheep. In a desolate desert. Moses is not living his best life now. This was not his dream. Shepherd was a, was a lowly job. There wasn't a thing amongst the Hebrew children. Oh, I wish to be a shepherd one day. Oh, just to walk with sheep the whole time. What a joy. Being a shepherd was usually for those who had nothing else. Moses is doing a lowly job taking care of someone else's position in a desolate desert. And this is where God meets him. So when God says to him, I'm going to send you to Egypt, Moses rightfully says, who am I? Who am I that you would use me? Who am I that you would send me? Who am I that you would choose me for this mission? See, this is not just Moses being insecure. This is Moses recognizing that his life at this place, in this desert, has no significance and meaning. This is Moses recognizing he's lost everything and he's got nothing to offer God. I mean, what, what is he going to do? What can he give? Insignificant and have nothing of value that God can use. How often do you feel like Moses? How often do you feel that your life is insignificant? That you have nothing to offer God? How often do you come to the place where you say, God, I have nothing? How often do you think that God cannot or should not use you?
can God use you? Because in this worst, close to the worst place in his life, there's two things that Moses does that turns out to be so significant. The first thing is Moses is curious. He's curious. If we look at verse 3, Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. For crying in a bucket, he's in the desert. There's not a lot of happening. But he could have just ignored it. But Moses is curious. He sees this fire and he's wondering, I wonder what's happening there. And his curiosity leads him into an encounter with God. His curiosity of what is happening in the world led him to a place to encounter God. Are you still curious about God? Are you curious about what God is doing in this world? Are you curious about what God wants to do in your life? How God wants to use you? Are you still intrigued by God? Is there something about God that excites you? Is there something about God that you want to go, I want to know more. I want to experience more. I want more of Him. Are you still curious? Or has the things of this world captured all your attention? Are you curious for God? Or have the things of this world just captured all your attention that God can and cannot get your attention? Could it be that we've become too familiar with God? Become familiar with his story. Become familiar with what he's done. Become familiar with the gospel. Become familiar with church. Become familiar with just relationship with God. That we're not intrigued by him anymore. The second thing that Moses does. He goes over to this burning uh, bush or burning tree. And then God calls out to him. Moses responds. Here I am. Powerful response. Here I am, God. Here I am. And although Moses is reluctant to go back to Egypt, you, if you know the story, he, he's got many excuses why he shouldn't go. And I'm, let's be honest, I'll be reluctant. I have to go back. I have to face this powerful kingdom, this powerful leader. Although he has... A reluctancy to go. He is available and eventually willing. And he responds to God. Here I am. And Moses' response, here I am, changed everything. It changed Moses' life completely. And it changed a nation's life completely. If you want to see your life changed, respond to God. Here I am, God. Because from this moment on, Moses' life is going to change radically. Now think about what's happening here. Moses is at the lowest place that he could be, in the worst place, in the desert. And God says, I value you. I'm going to use you. It doesn't matter where you are and what you believe about yourself. What matters is what God is saying over your life. 
What really matters is if you're willing to say, here I am, God. Because what happens from this response, God used Moses powerfully to save Israel. And Moses is going to experience miracle upon miracle upon miracle. If you know the story, Moses goes back. And in Egypt, through God, through Moses, God does the ten plagues. The powerful demonstration of who God is. And then God sends, um, um, helps them move out of Egypt, move out of slavery. And, and, go, and Moses leads them. This insignificant shepherd, a nation follows him. And they travel in this, out of Egypt and they come to an a, 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 a ocean or a sea. And Pharaoh and his army is coming behind them wanting to kill them. And God says to Moses, Moses, stretch out your hands. This is a moment of faith. Next time you're close to water, just stretch out your hands. Moses, stretch out your hands. And Moses responds and he trusts God. And he stretched out his hands. And you know the story. It opens up in front of them. The sea opens up and there's dry land. And a nation marches through a dry land. Through Moses. Here I am, God. Once they are through, the army still comes and God says, close your hands. Close. Here I am, God. In the desert, God will provide through Moses food to eat. Through Moses, God will provide water to drink. God uses Moses powerfully. Miracle upon miracle upon miracle. Moses' life changes completely because he continued to say, here I am, God. Eventually on this same mountain, God calls Moses up again. And God in his presence comes down to this mountain. If you read it, it was like a consuming fire filling this mountain. And God invites Moses into his presence. And here on this mountain, God says to Moses, you cannot see my glory, but I'll give you a glimpse of my goodness. His holiness and his glory will make Moses die, but his goodness. And God hides Moses in a cliff, and then he passes by him, his goodness. Wow. Here I am, God. Moses experienced something about God that very few people have ever experienced. Moses was so in the presence of God that his face started to shine. Exodus 33 tells us that God spoke to Moses as a friend. Imagine that being your story. You were a friend of the Almighty God. Here I am, God. Are you available for God? When God is calling out to you, can God get your attention? Do you hear God calling out to you? Or have we just become too busy to hear God calling us? Here I am, God. See, this holy, all-powerful, self-sustaining, creator, unchanging in character, and compassionate God chooses to partner with Moses to execute his will on earth. And this is what God says to Moses. This is what I'm going to do, Moses. I have come down 
to rescue them. I'm going to take them out of slavery. I'm going to save them and then bring them out of their land into a new land. So not only am I going to take them out of slavery, I'm not just going to save them, I'm going to restore them. I'm going to lead them into a new land, meaning there will be new identity, a new purpose. I'm going to restore them as a nation. And then God says, I'm going to lead them out of slavery. I'm going to give them new land. I'm going to restore them. And this will be the sign that on this mountain, you will worship me. But God is saying, and I will be their God. They will experience me. They will experience my presence. I'm going to save them. I'm going to restore them. And I'm going to be their God. And while I'm their God, I'm going to provide and care and love for them. This is what I'm going to do, Moses. I'm sending you. Even today, this holy, all-powerful God is moved with compassion and love for people. Even today, this all-powerful God still wants to bring change to people's lives. And God is searching for people who are available and willing. Moses was available and he was willing. God is looking for people that will say, God, I'm available and I'm willing. People that will respond to God who says, here I am, God, send me. People that God can send into the world. Can God use you for his purposes? Are you available and are you willing? But please do understand tonight. God is not looking for a new Moses. God is not looking for a new hero. Because after Moses, there came a new I am. After Moses, there was a new I am that have come down to rescue people. The I am that said, I am the resurrection and the life. And those who put their faith in him will experience new life, will experience salvation, will experience forgiveness of sin. They will be saved and no longer slaves to sin. They will no longer be under the power of sin. There's an I am that came down and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And those who believe in him receives a new identity, a new purpose. They are restored back to who God created them to be. I am, he said, I am the true vine, and you are the branches. And if we trust in him, we are restored back into relationship with God and in him, we experience this almighty, powerful, compassionate, loving God. And in Him, He is our God. And in Him, we receive all the blessings that Jesus deserved. The love, the joy, the peace, the provision of God the Father. In Him, He becomes our God. I am. God is looking for people to send but the message has changed. For Moses, God said, I'm sending you back to tell people 
what I'm going to do for us, God is saying, I'm sending you into the world to tell people what I have done. It is done. Because I am came down to rescue us. And Jesus was enough. Jesus is the ultimate hero. God is not looking for more Moseses. He's looking for messengers, witnesses of the great I am. Witnesses of what Jesus has done. Are you available? Are you willing? To conclude tonight, a holy and compassionate God wants to partner with us to see his freedom, his purpose, and his presence established in every person's life. It's people that are suffering. It's facing the power of sin in their lives. And he's searching for people that's available and willing to say, God, here I am. Send me with a message. Send me with a message. It is done. Are you willing? Are you available? Because when Moses said, here I am, God, God said something very significant to him. I will be with you. I'm sending you. But now I will be with you. When Jesus left this earth and he sent his disciples into the world, what did he say? And I will be with you till the end of time. As you respond to God and say, God, here I am. There's a promise. And I will be with you till the end of time. God is not sending us into this world in our own strength and our own power. And maybe you, like Moses, are reluctant to go. Maybe you're fearful of what you might face when you go. But I am is with you. Will you go? Because the great thing is, this is the beauty of Christianity. If you want to experience God more, respond in obedience to God. Because as you go, he will be with you. And as you go, he will reveal his holiness. He will reveal his provision. He will reveal his freedom. And you will experience more of his purpose. And you will experience more of God. Because that is who God is. Just as Moses' life completely changed when he said, here I am. So our lives will change completely when we say, God, here I am. I'm willing and I'm available. Sin. What is God asking you to do? Let's close our eyes. So tonight I want us to, to end by allowing God to speak to us. To create a moment to say, God, I want to be curious. I want to be intrigued by you. I want to find out more. I want to know you more. Would you speak to me? 
And I'm just going to give you a moment of silence. And maybe you're not familiar with how does God speak to you. And maybe, maybe you're not even close to God. This is a moment of saying, God, I'm trusting you. Close your eyes. Calm your soul and your mind. And in faith ask, God, would you speak to me? And Holy Spirit, I pray and ask that as we do this now, you would come and speak to us. Would you speak to us as individuals? Would you tell us what's on your heart for each one of us? Where are you calling us to, Lord? And tonight I want to pray for two specific group of people. I want to pray for those who are hearing a message like this and you're, you're just, you just know you're so far from God. Your life is so insignificant. You, you don't know how God can use you. In fact, if you're really honest with you, you're more the Israelites that's still in slavery. There's still sin prevalent in your life. There's a power over your life that is not God. that's you tonight I want to pray for you because the message is still the same it is done and Jesus has come down to bring freedom and restoration and new relationship with God new life for every person and if that's you if you say tonight I don't have a new life in Jesus I've never experienced this freedom that we speak about if that's you it's your opportunity to respond and I want to ask that you would raise your hand. The rest of our eyes are closed. That you want to respond for the first time. Say, God, I need you. And then there's another group of people. As we're quieting down, you just know that God is speaking to you. And you know God is calling you to do something. You know God is called you to be a messenger, a witness of Him. Tonight's a moment of faith where you have to say, God, here I am. I don't know how it looked. I don't know. I know it's, I'm, I'm reluctant and I'm scared and I don't know what you're going to ask me to do. But I am available and I'm willing. If you know God is laying something on your heart tonight to be a witness for Him, would you stand up? It's a response to say, God, here I am. And as you're standing, I'm going to pray in faith. And God, I thank you for what you're doing in people's lives. Lord, we thank you for what you've already done, Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that you are the compassionate and loving God that was willing to give up everything and come to earth so that we may experience your freedom that we may be restored back into your purpose and your will, and that we may experience you.
as our God. But Lord, tonight as you lay something in our hearts, if you, you're speaking to us, Lord, I pray for every person that's standing. And Lord, may you see us respond. Here I am. Don't know how it looks, Lord. Don't know what might lie ahead. But here I am. Would you see our faith, Lord? And Lord, would you bless that? Would you in this moment send your spirit and the Holy Spirit, would you come and minister to everyone that's standing, Lord? May they experience a boldness and encouragement of your peace and your presence. I pray that you would give them wisdom and understanding, Lord. I pray that you would bless them with power, Lord, that they will see you minister through their life. May you stretch out your hand that there will be miracles through their lives, Lord. But Lord, may you give them the words to be witnesses for your kingdom. Lord, may they hear you say tonight, do not be afraid, for I am with you. Fill them with your joy and your peace. Courage and boldness. Come and reveal yourself like never before, Lord. Not for our sake, Lord, but for your kingdom and your glory. May people be saved because of the willingness and available availability of those who are standing tonight we call into the family of God people being saved because of the faith of your children we ask this in your name Lord Jesus and we say Amen we're going to end tonight by singing that song again I your witness declaring that God has given us a message that he is worthy that we carry this message and this is our prayer this is our declaration so I want to ask that you would stand with us and that we'll end this evening by declaring in faith God we will witness because you are worthy Was not the 
conquered hell so I could have resurrecting death, resurrecting now. Resurrecting death, resurrecting now. I've witnessed your faithfulness. I've seen you breathe life within. So I'll pour out my praise again. You're worthy, God, you're worthy of all of it. Your promises never fail. I've got stories I live to tell. So I'll pour out my praise again. You're worthy, God, you're worthy of all of it. You're strong and I've witnessed it You're constant, I've witnessed it And I'll confident, I'll tell them Your love and I've witnessed it You heal and I've witnessed it You say that I've witnessed it And I'm confident I see it again and again Too broken, I've witnessed it To the hurting, I've witnessed it To the lost, I am witnessing And I'll tell them this I'll tell them what i witnessed To my family, I've witnessed it To the city, I've witnessed it to the nations I've witnessed it, and I'll tell them this. I'll tell them what I've witnessed. I've witnessed your faithfulness. I've seen you breathe life within. So I'll pour out my praise again. You're worthy, God, you're worthy of all of it. Your promises never fail I've got stories I live to tell So I'll pour out my praise again You're worthy, the voices. God, you're worthy of all of it I've witnessed your faithfulness Come on, let's declare it I've seen you breathe life within So I'll pour out my praise again you're worthy god you're worthy of all of it your promises never fail i've got stories i live to tell so i'll pour out my praise again you're worthy god you're worthy of all of it And that's our declaration. If you've experienced our Lord Jesus Christ, then you have a story to tell. You are a witness of the change that He's brought in your life. So how do we move on from a moment like this? Say, here I am, God. Here I am. Do you use me? Make it very practical. Two things. 
ask God for a name that you can pray for. Just then. God, who's someone that I can pray for that you want to use me as a witness? And we just pray for those people. It can be a friend, it can be a family, it can be a neighbor, it can be a co-worker, a co-worker, it can be a fellow student. But ask God for a name. And secondly, if you feel that God has placed something on your heart tonight, share your story. This week, not next week, not in the ideal time, share the story of God's faithfulness in your life. And share it to anyone, okay? Share it with your best friends. Share it with the, one, the person standing next to you. Stay, share, it, share it with everyone and anyone, but at least share it with someone. And it can be anyone because we need to practice to be a witness. Share your story. Pray for someone and share your story. That's how we say, God, here I am. Use me. And you'll be amazed what God is going to do through your life. He will honor a willing and available heart. And we will experience a holy, loving, compassionate God. Can we do this? Let's be a witness because He is worthy. It's the least we can do for God is to be a witness of the I Am who came down. The way, truth, and the life the resurrected life, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.